Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to another installation of Lunch Hour with Renault. What's up, guys? And Great to we be have with you guys. We have friends with us. Uh, friends, today. lots and lots of friends today. Uh, if you've been with us uh, the last uh, week, we talked about um, just uh, this every moment initiative that we're stepping into, uh, and just the incredible opportunities that God uh, has brought to the table for us as a church to live on mission. Uh, and make an impact uh, in our community and beyond. And we took a little tour of the future expansion uh, last week, which was super fun uh, and exciting. And this week, um, coming off a weekend where we uh, just talked through uh, the importance of God's call on our church's life to pour into uh, the emerging generation, the next generation of followers of Jesus that are already among us today. Um, super, super powerful weekend. And this, uh, this episode today is all about kind of taking a, a, a deep di dive into uh, caring for uh, kids from traumatic backgrounds, caring for kids with special needs, uh, the joys of that, the challenges of that. And so uh, we're going to have a great conversation uh, today. So uh, with me today, I have Caleb Kareen. He is the director of Mosaic Students. So, uh, so he works with our junior high and high school students. And then I have Carrie Ann Hayes. She is the director of Mosaic Kids, uh, and so she takes care of our kiddos birth through sixth grade. Uh, and then this is Deborah Burke with us as well, and she's one of the newest additions to our team, uh, and she is uh, working with children with special needs in our kids' ministry. And then all of you know, I think, uh, Renault. What's up, um, people? And this is Lunch Hour with Renault. So, Renault, uh, why don't we start this conversation off just a little bit about talking about why this whole thing matters um, sure. in, in your heart and in your mind. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it actually plays a lot into even what God is uh, shifting us into from an every moment perspective, yeah. this idea that um, being redemptive is not just in the extraordinary big moments of life, but also uh, being focused and clear on every single little moment that each moment belongs to Jesus and matters to Jesus. And so yeah. it's an opportunity to be redemptive. And I think uh, this has been part of our discovery in engaging in this issue of uh, children from traumatic backgrounds, um, children with special needs. And, and, and the children with special needs kind of was born out of the children from traumatic backgrounds in this sense, um, that we had this clear clarity as a church that the scripture leaves it non-negotiable to engage in the lives of orphans, right? Yeah. So children that that have been lost from their families, either through war or poverty or disease or other circumstances, and now they don't have a family and they don't belong and they're orphaned, we don't have the option as believers not to engage with those children because that is clear in Scripture. And so that's sort of the big picture, right? We're going to go change the world. We're going to get involved with, with children from traumatic backgrounds. And if you are a child that was orphaned, you are from a traumatic background. There's no version in which that is not true because you have lost uh, key parts of your life, your, your parents. So um, we sent our church out um, and went out together into this world of foster care and adoption and, and safe families. And, uh, and what we discovered is that children from these traumatic backgrounds come with trauma. And then that trauma has dr dramatic impact on them and on the home into which they enter. And so suddenly two things begin to happen. One, the home itself is disrupted and they are disrupted within it. And the church is disrupted because a lot of this trauma comes here. So then your first tendency is, right? Oh no, 
the children with traumatic backgrounds and children with special needs make things uniquely challenging. Not their fault, just is. Mm -hmm. So we find separate spaces to right. keep them from impacting the typical children because they're trying to do Sunday school, right? I mean, I'm being a little sarcastic. Not really. Um, and and so you, you, you create this sense where we've come, brought you home, and now we're going to show you every single day that you don't belong. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So what we realized is if we're going to be a church that takes on the call that is non-negotiable to engage in children from traumatic places, then we also have to become a church that takes on the non-negotiable call of learning how to care for these children in the normalcy of and the typical nature of our everyday spaces. And so we had to become really, really good yeah. at engaging in children with special needs and children uh, from traumatic spaces in a way that values them, that uh, is inclusive, that causes them to feel very much like they are not only a part of things, but they are a special part of God's kingdom, uniquely made like everybody else to play a special part. And that's super, super challenging. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear Carrie Ann just share a little bit about what that journey was like here in the church environment when we began to, to experience that. Before yeah. she starts sharing that, though, I just want to say hello to a few people who are with us. Uh, we have Stacy Moore in the house. Hey, Stacy, uh, so say hi uh, to Stacy. We all love Stacy. Oh, Miss yeah. you, and glad you're able to join us today on Facebook no, Live. Uh, praise God for technology. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Obi Diaz with us. We got Angela, God, Paul, Pam, Yara, Autumn. Autumn says hello from Missouri, where we are adopting our child. Can't wait to get home to Florida. Yay! Yay! So exciting. Can't wait uh, to have you back here. We're ready. Yeah, let We're the ready. let the journey begin. Let the journey and begin. We want to be. A, a place where uh, your child can grow and flourish here. So yes. that's an awesome thing. So Carrie Ann, why don't you uh, kind of begin us and, and uh, share, share with us just a little bit. What was it like being here at Mosaic when this mm -hmm. kind of wave of children uh, began to come in and we're mm -hmm. starting to kind of recognize, okay, we got to do something mm -hmm. uh, to, to shift our perspective mm -hmm. and to create better environments for kids to be cared for. So what was that like? From a ministry perspective, we really had no idea what it was going to look like to bring children in from adoption and foster care into the ministry. Yeah. And at the very same time that that was happening and all these families were stepping into adoption and caring for kids from hard places, we had our first child walk into the ministry who had autism, mm. but we didn't know it. Yeah. He came in mm. and kind of turned our ministry world upside down, mm. and we had no idea what was going on in the heart and mind of this little first grader. Right. And it was a conversation with his parents and having them share what was going on with him that caused us to start doing a lot of research mm. as to how are we going to care for him? How do we include him? And that was where the first sidekick came to mm. us. And so we found the first person willing to come and partner with him so that he could be included in regular ministry with all mm. of the other kids and yeah. in a small group. It was through that journey that we started recognizing that many of the children that were coming to us from hard places were dealing with things on their own because... If you're coming from adoption or foster care, you can just assume that there has been some trauma mm -hmm. in their background, mm -hmm. yeah. and that affects the right. behavior of a child. Yeah. Um, so really, 
it was us learning how to work with children who had special needs that allowed us to realize that what we were doing would actually also include these children who were coming from foster care, adoption, or experiencing any kind of trauma. It all kind of becomes one one world. So let's talk for just a minute about, you, you've, you've used the word inclusion a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe let's, let's say just like historically mm-hmm. in the church's past, what has the story been for children who may have, um, you know, physical special needs, maybe, you know, Down syndrome or, mm-hmm. or you know, things like that, um, or, um, you know, other special needs like autism. Mm-hmm. What, what, what has been the, the church's typical response? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and where has that maybe fallen yeah. short? Where are we learning, you know, to, to shift that and kind yeah. of how, like... So let me just make this clear. Inclusion isn't easy, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Okay, mm, that's yeah. good. And Let me just make this clear. Inclusion is practically impossible, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. It isn't easy. It's <laughs> an understatement. a sweet way to say it. That's well, a sweet way of saying I it. I have to say that because um, a very, very well-meaning um, church director who I love recommended to a family who had a child with autism that they were not capable of to take their child, but they should go to Mosaic. Wow. And my, my dream would be that all churches yeah. get to yeah. a place that mm-hmm. they understand that if you start small, like I shared, we started with one child That's and good. one person willing to come alongside. Right. And now we have literally an army mm-hmm. and, and we always need more yeah. um, because the ministry is always growing. But if you start small and you start with the one, yeah. um, because it is the same story that we hear over and over again, and I hear it from parents who have fostered children. I hear it from parents who have adopted that somewhere else they have been asked to leave. And I just want to share this really quick story. Yeah, I was yeah. talking to a mom this past weekend who has a five-year-old, and uh, she adopted her out of foster care, and this child is precious. And mom is sharing with me that she has been kicked out of five preschools um, because of behavior. And as mom is sharing this, the little girl pulls on my shirt and says, am I being kicked out of here too? And I immediately had to let her know that is not going to happen here and let her know that she, her, her days of being rejected as far as the church is concerned, we will not reject her. And, And remember, you know, I think the reason that a lot of places, churches, schools, end up making that choice or uh, on a slightly less dramatic level, don't ask them to leave, but essentially can't handle the realities that come with that. So I hear all the stories when families here go, I would go to church and within five minutes of being in the gathering, I'd get the little beep Mm -hmm. and then have to come out and get my child because my child is disrupted at very high levels by noise and craziness and people, and then my child disrupts at high levels, and Mm -hmm. nobody knows what to do with that. And then all the other children that are in typical spaces uh, get disrupted because Mm -hmm. the leadership doesn't know how to deal with that. And then I get called out. I get it. It's almost like the parents are like, I I get it. I get Mm -hmm. it. But to become a place um, that doesn't do that has been a huge part Mm -hmm. of our journey. But I say all that to say this. I don't look at those institutions and go, I no. can't believe you asked them to leave. I, I, I get why it happened. doesn't make it okay. doesn't make it okay. But I yeah. get why it happened because it is, it is uniquely challenging both for the child mm-hmm. and for the people trying to right. navigate that child through right. their hard places. And yeah. what's also challenging about that, it's not just about accessibility, but it's also about acceptance. Yeah. And it's about understanding. Um, something that 
um, a lot of families who are undergoing that kind of, you know, that kind of experience together, they feel like nobody understands it, you yeah. know, being like, yep. oh, that, you know, that they're judging me that I'm a bad parent, mm-hmm. you know, they think that, you know, my kid yeah. must be going through something at home. Um, and so it's not just that we make a space that is accessible for their child, but mm-hmm. we also provide people, volunteers, staff, even other families who can sympathize and understand being like, yeah, me too. Like, yeah. let's yeah. work through this together yes. and let's walk mm-hmm. through it together. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's powerful. A couple of other things I want to Mm -hmm. share from Facebook Live. Um, Autumn says, um, the little guy that we're adopting, this is uh, Autumn who's adopting in uh, in Missouri, Uh, she says, the little guy we're adopting is on the autism spectrum. I love that you guys are equipped to love on the littles that Mm -hmm. need special care. And I think, you know... that, that's just a beautiful thing to, to be able to be a space where we're saying, yes, bring your child mm-hmm. here. Um, that we'll do everything we can to make sure that your child will be loved and cared. We, we won't be perfect in it. Right. No. You know, we're not, we're not experts and, and we're, we're growing in our understanding mm-hmm. as well of how to do this well and how to care for these children and students uh, well. How do you do that? Well, you do it one at a time and you do the best that you can. Yeah. Um, and and so, I think that's super yeah. central. Like we're finding in student ministry that reality that's not like bring your students to us because we're the experts. No, let's do this alongside you yeah. because you're the one that's loving in, in the home and we're loving within the church context together and doing right. it together. Yeah, because we're seeing kids for maybe a couple hours right. on a week. They're, they're with these beautiful, wonderful children that need love and attention and special care you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, uh, so and hopefully know, I, Shiano I, says one thing. No, no but go, go ahead and add your, your thought there. No, I was you know. going to say, to, to what you just said, that's one of the things I think we have realized as a church is that our children uh, with special needs or from traumatic backgrounds, uh, though they have some unique challenges mm-hmm. and they have some unique needs that are different from typical mm-hmm. children, they also have exactly the same needs as typical mm-hmm. children, yes. a need to be loved, yeah. a need to be accepted, a need to be valued, a need to feel like they are part of God's story. Mm-hmm. Like that's a human need. Yeah. And when we can say this typical child and this child from a traumatic background or this child with a special need actually have the same needs, mm-hmm. it's just how we meet those needs look a little different. That's right. Right. Then we can engage uh, beautifully because it equalizes the playing field. And I think that's what we've tried to do here yeah. mm-hmm. is that's recognize really cool. everyone has the same needs. Mm-hmm. Just getting to those needs is a little takes different. special care, right? Yeah. A little different. Um, so hopefully Shiano says, uh, we've done foster care and adoption uh, both. We've adopted six medically complex children, mm-hmm. um, and we just started attending Mosaic. So welcome, Hope. I'm glad you're here. Um, she says, uh, we started the journey over 17 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an amazing, she's talking about foster care. Yeah. It was an amazing journey filled with joys and sorrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have the support of family, your church, and community to go through this journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. you do. Sure. Yeah. Yes, you do. And we love her kids. Yeah, yeah. I know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah. It's so fun. So, um, her little girl is. The, oh my, oh goodness. my God. Get a hug from that child. Just so with her. Not, not a bad oh, start. I feel like I'm yeah. missing out. You okay. are missing out. Yeah. 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 All of her kids are awesome. Yes. Uh, and her little girl is so cute. That's awesome. So, um, you know, kind of as, as we've discovered, um, you know, our opportunity to step into this. Um, you know, what, what, what has, what has, you know, foster care adoption, um, how has that impacted, uh, children who come from typical backgrounds? How has that impacted, 
uh, our leaders mm -hmm. and our volunteers? How has that impacted just the shape and the face of mm -hmm. Mosaic uh, kids, of Mosaic students, mm -hmm. yeah. of Mosaic church as a whole? Yeah. I think it's been a really positive impact on our kids because we're actually leading our kids in inclusion. Right. Yes. Right. And I love it from both the special needs aspect and the children from traumatic backgrounds. We hear some pretty interesting conversations that happen in our small groups yeah. where <laughs> kids will openly share um, that they are fosters, which mm -hmm. um, someone mistakenly thought that was their last name, but they were actually <laughs> referring to themselves, to themselves as we heard there's a lot of fosters at this service. And so it started this small group conversation of, well, yes, I'm from foster care. Oh, I was adopted. And these other children are sitting there who have a typical, typical family yeah. background, mm -hmm. and they don't see each other any differently. Mm -hmm. But the same thing is happening now when it comes to special needs. So we'll have a child who has autism who can't necessarily sit in their group while the Bible story is happening. They might be spinning in the back of the room, and you know what? all of the kids pay no attention to them. Mm -hmm. It has become, become a, a common. fairly normal, yeah. common thing. So they just accept them, love them, make friends with them. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments was watching um, a sweet little girl who's with us most weekends and she is in a wheelchair and she is nonverbal, but she goes into a fourth grade girls small group every single weekend and the girls fight over who's going to wheel her in mm -hmm. and who's going to be her friend wow. and who's going to hang out with her. Yeah. So I think that's all for the good. When it comes to volunteers, it's caused us to train them, our whole team, in a totally different way. Um, if you heard what Renault said this past Sunday, the um, know their name and know where they're from, not just their address, but what's going on in the life of this child, um, because behavior is a language. It's not just something that you're seeing happen. So if we're seeing um, behavior that we don't necessarily want to see in the ministry, asking the question of like, hey, what's going on here? Um, I had this happen with a little boy who's from a foster home, and in asking him why did he run out of our large group environment, he, he said to me, I was overwhelmed by the amount of people and by the noise, and I had to get away. Okay, well, I can work with that. We're going to go someplace quiet mm -hmm. until worship is mm -hmm. over and everything is calmed down. We could have looked at that and said, you know, he's just running away, but by asking the question... Yeah we were able to serve him better. Instead of just classifying it as bad behavior. Exactly. You're, you're saying he's communicating something. He is. What is he communicating exactly. and how can he? And just address. to add to that from an inclusion standpoint, mm -hmm. like uh, first off in student issue, we're, st we're always learning. Like <laughs> we're still learning. We we're definitely too. don't have it perfect, mm -hmm. but we're learning a lot from kids ministry because yeah, they absolutely. are crushing it. Yeah. Um, but uh -huh. with that inclusion factor, in our, in our small group context, I've seen some unbelievable things happen. Mm -hmm. And it's because, yeah. like you said, we're all learning. And one of the things we're all learning is remembering mm -hmm. or teaching that we're all created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. yes. And so that, that factor was a, a teenage guy, 17-year-olds, see other 17-year-olds not as typically the way you would see other high schoolers, but you see them yeah. as image bearers of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes when like you have uh, a student that comes in with special needs, there's this I don't know how to interact with them sometimes because there's an assumption that they're different. But when you when you when you come in knowing that everyone's made in the image of God, and like you said, it's a human reality that we're all just seeking to know the gospel, see our participation in that. When 17-year-old guys get that, all of a sudden their interactions with one another go from like I don't know how to interact to I, I want to interact with them in, in 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 every context. And I look forward to watching 
how I'm learning from some of the students that have special needs that come in on Wednesday nights and our other students are learning from them because yeah. they love Jesus. Yeah. They study the Bible. They Literally, there's been some small groups, or I've heard of this too, where some I've been in, some I've heard, where some of those students share things. I'm like, I never even thought of God in that way or I never saw yeah. that pastor scripture in that way. Mm-hmm. And then that disarms this, uh, this like, how do I interact? It's like, no, we're all just pursuing Jesus together because mm-hmm. we're all made in the image of God seeking to know Jesus more. And so I think that that's why inclusion is a benefit yeah. To, to having a sidekick with a student or a kid so mm-hmm. that they're part of a small group so that we all are benefited by the body. Absolutely. Because literally, 1 Corinthians 12, mm-hmm. same spirit lives in each of us mm-hmm. if we know Jesus, right? Yeah. And I love 1 Corinthians 12 because it says if you have the spirit of God living inside of you, then you have a, spirit, a, a spiritual gift to, to mm-hmm. contribute. Mm-hmm. And so seeing, and, and Paul says it this way, he said, sometimes there's gifts that, that we feel like are less important. Mm-hmm. But when you start to, to, to all realize that every one of those gifts uh, are important because they come from the same mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. then the, the ones that are potentially feel like they're, they're less valuable or less honorable, you start to bestow the greatest honor. And that's where even seeing in mm-hmm. different spaces that the Spirit of God is working through even our students Absolutely. with special needs. And yeah. it's amazing. Like, yeah. literally, I'm hearing the gospel from the 17-year-old guy every Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. And it doesn't stop there either because it doesn't stop just here, but these kids go to school. Mm, and there yeah. will be kids with traumatic backgrounds or special needs in their schools and in their mm-hmm. other life spaces. And so the habits that they form here of inclusion mm-hmm. and understanding right. and kindness yeah, yeah. create, you know, small people living on mission in their <laughs> other life spaces. So when yeah. they see someone on the playground who doesn't belong or has a hard time communicating, they'll be like, oh, but he's just like mm-hmm. so-and-so from my yeah. small group. Mm-hmm. I want to go hang out. Yep. With that person, the relationship with him, and yep. it just creates Absolutely. little world changers. And that, and I, and I think that, you know, we we have discovered here at Mosaic Church in uh, engaging in the issue of diversity, and so diversity plays into all these spaces, right? right? It's not right. just Absolutely. ethnic diversity, but mm-hmm. now there's diversity in uh, the unique special needs that you might have, or the way you entered a family, or the background you come from. Like there's such a diversity of that now, and I think in diversity this whole world that the special needs community has brought to our church mm-hmm. and, and our children with special needs are bringing to our church as a collective mm-hmm. is that they're teaching us as adults, but also our children, two things. One, the equality mm-hmm. of our stories. Mm-hmm. We are equally engaged in the story of God. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same mission. It doesn't matter whether we entered a home through birth or adoption. It doesn't matter right. if we have this special need or that special need or a typical child. Those things are just a part of our diversity but our equality is the same. So it's teaching them that, but in our equality, we are all unique. Mm. So we have, I have to deal with you uniquely because your story's different than mine. Mm. Well, what begins to happen then is I start applying those assumptions to the way I live in every category. Mm -hmm. So our typical children and our children with special needs and our children from traumatic backgrounds are all learning together there's equality and diversity simultaneously. Yeah. And so I, I, I both see you as the same now, mm-hmm. but I also know that I interact with you differently, not because you're different, but because you're unique. Yeah. I, know, I know those words mm-hmm. are the same yeah. definition, but you know what I mean by that. Yeah. And so I think to your point, our whole community has been dramatically shaped by our mm-hmm. community of children with special needs. And so as a collective, they are literally expanding the gospel for us, yeah. mm-hmm. which is so Definitely. incredible. Yes. We yes. thought we were That's meeting exactly them right. where they needed to <laughs> yeah. be met, and yet mm-hmm. they're transforming yeah. our yeah. community mm-hmm. with who they are. And that's beautiful to watch. And it, what, what's cool is it's not just that they're transforming Mosaic, but other churches are being impacted. Yes. So 
uh, Cody Alonzo, who's Tony's wife. Yeah. Uh, they have a really cool family, and it's a special needs family as well. Um, uh, Cody said, uh, thank you for this discussion. We're striving here in Four Corners, which they've planted a church there in Four Corners called C3. Uh, so if you live in that area and uh, Mosaic's too far, go be a part of C3. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I said, I was, so afraid, uh, I was so afraid of inclusion when we first started uh, at Mosaic. Um, oh, wait, I'm sorry. So she, first she says, uh, we're striving here in Four Corners to carry out the blessing that we've learned from Mosaic and their love for special mm-hmm. needs families as a whole. Mm-hmm. You guys blessed our family for a season in our special family. She said, I was so afraid of inclusion when we started, mm-hmm. uh, when we first started at Mosaic, but the leaders were wonderf- wonderful in their sincerity but all the rest of the kids loved on our Logan. Each mm-hmm. week we brought Logan, several kids welcomed him in, it warmed our hearts as parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that's just, that's just the, the coolest thing ever yeah. to see that, <clears throat> you know, our journey here mm-hmm. is impacting um, other churches and, mm-hmm. and seeing what God yeah. is doing um, all over our city uh, because of that. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what God can do. And this is do, exactly so. why in our 2020-21 um, vision, why it seems that God has led us as a leadership team to make sure that uh, funding, resourcing, staffing for um, our ministry to children with special needs and children from traumatic backgrounds is extremely well um, supported mm-hmm. and sure. why, uh, why we want to be influential outside of this and have some of the things we're learning uh, mm-hmm. accessible and available to other churches in easy process so that Uh, we can see more and more families with children with special needs or children from traumatic backgrounds find churches, Mm -hmm. not us, but churches that are well-equipped to handle the unique and beautiful challenges that come with that so that they can be the recipients, those churches, of this community Mm -hmm. that brings the gospel beauty in such a unique way. And then the full circle begins to unfold. Yeah, so Sarah Hardy, she's a ninth grade girl, small group leader with Mosaic Students, said, I have countless stories of beautiful inclusion that I've seen in my ninth grade girl's small group. I'm beyond blessed to be uh, be one of their leaders. Um, And then Hope says, I've been in church all my life, uh, and never have I been in a church where the church sees our children with special needs, um, that they're accepted for who they are. Uh, we are all children of God. I cannot even begin to tell you what our family has learned from our adopted children with special needs. Right. I'm a better right. person because yeah. of them. Right, yeah. right. Um, and so it is a joy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this we titled this, uh, this episode uh, The Challenge and Joys of, um, you know, meeting the needs of kids mm-hmm. uh, with special needs and kids from hard places uh, and kids from traumatic backgrounds. Now, mm-hmm. we've talked a bit, a good bit about the joys. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, where, uh, and, and I know this is probably, you know, we've got good, we've got another 30 minutes. So like, um, what are some of the challenges that we have faced, uh, that we are continuing to face, um, even that we see like we may be facing uh, down the road uh, when it comes to um, caring for uh, children? So what, 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 are, what are some challenges? <laughs> well, first off, like, I've been the children's director here for many, many years. Uh, I did not have a background. 54. But you look so You're young, Carrie. No. <laughs> um, no, 14 years. Uh, thank you, though. Um, forever. That's forever. 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 Um, but I had no background in special needs whatsoever. Right. And everything that I have learned has been from our kids. Mm. Like, yeah. uh, somebody asked me the other day, like, are you an expert in autism? And I'm like, 
I kind of feel like it, but not because I went to From school for it, yeah. because the kids have trained me, right, um, right. and we have learned so much from them. Mm. We have uh, job descriptions for everyone, no matter what you do. If you're in the nursery, everyone has a job description. And at the top, there's a win. For our sidekicks, it actually says the win will be determined by your child Mm. um, because it's different for every single one coming in. So I think the challenge is when a child arrives Mm. and we know that they either have um, a developmental special need they have experienced trauma. It's that initial figuring out what are we going to need to do to help make this child successful. And as the ministry grows and we're, we're getting more and more children, it does become more and more difficult because it does take more people to make it happen. We have had a few children who are um, elopement risks, means they're going to run away. Mm-hmm. And keeping them in a building and keeping them safe is a challenge. Mm. Uh, literally, when this building was built, that sidekick room, um, is, which is our quiet room, our sensory room, we have lots of occupational um, therapy um, equipment in there. When that room was designed, it was designed with a child in mind because in our previous building, we couldn't keep her. There was no way that this child, she was nine years old and on the level of a two-year-old, we could take her at buddy break for a respite care, but we could not take her on Sunday. And our goal in this building was we want to be able to take her. So Mm. we gave that room a name Mm. and everything that happened in there was designed with her in mind because we thought if we can take her, we can take anyone. (laughs) Um, We continue to do that as we have difficult situations come in and we really want to make sure that we're able to keep these kids and keep them safe. Um, Another aspect of it is um, autism is definitely one of our more common, but another very common um, sort of challenge to our inclusion ministry is a lot of kids that have sensory processing needs. Absolutely. Um, And those are kids who need um, like some kind of sensory input. Mm -hmm. They they take a long time to process information because Mm -hmm. their brain is processing everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so things like they need more um, compression. uh, They might need... um, Uh, like a movement, it might be noise, it might be taste, some kind of sense that helps ground them into Mm -hmm. where they are and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of just the facts of sensory processing is it requires physical solutions. Mm -hmm. You can't talk someone down off of, you know, like being overstimulated. Right. Um, And so it requires equipment. So we have in our sidekick room, we have lots of little tools and things like that, weighted blankets. We have weighted blankets and (laughs) headphones and um, it's the coolest we room have, we have in the whole building. Oh, yeah, it it's is. the best office. Like, it's yeah. it's the best part. We have, um, you know, like our rice, you know, so that, that we can bury things like in the rice and they can dig for it. And that sort of centers their brain and allows them to focus and sort of make sense of things mm-hmm. that are coming in. Um, but as the number of kids that we have increases, mm-hmm. they still need physical solutions. Right. You know, you can't gather five kids yeah. under the same weighted blanket. Yeah. And the, right. To your question, like we have to do things differently here than another church might do. And like I'll go and visit another church on a Sunday morning and go, I love their flashing lights. Mm-hmm. And I, I love they've got a live band and it's loud. And then I immediately go, okay, we can't have flashing lights. We can't have loud music. Right. Caleb, don't ask the kids to scream. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, 
teaches in our 1117 and he's awesome and all the kids get very excited when he's it's on true. the stage but literally I'll be in the back of the room going please don't scream please don't scream out of excitement um, because it can be it, it, difficult for yeah, kids who have sensory triggered. processing it can, yeah, yeah it can trigger See, I'm no. still learning even right now it's good I didn't but, know that you know this is this is the I think one of the unique challenges in engaging in this space with children from traumatic backgrounds or special needs is that you also ha have to begin to think about everything differently. I remember just yeah. as a parent, you know, right. being a parent right. of eight children and four of whom come from some more challenging backgrounds um, and then four of whom have experienced the collective trauma of our home now. Um, you know, a, a couple of years into our journey, we would be sitting with, um, let's call them experts, you know, people that perhaps understand parenting. So parenting experts, not necessarily experts in this space, but parenting experts. And they would go through the typical parenting things, like here's a parenting book. is, And you read the book and you're like, yeah. check, 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 tried all that, all failed. Yeah. Or you'd, you'd hear things. And I remember one session I had with Brooke and I and this person, that incredible parenting specialist, and, and they would say, well, do, do this. And then I'd go, now, I did that, and then this happened. So if that happens, what do I do then? Hmm. Well, then I would suggest you try this. And, I, and every time I'd have an answer, yep, tried that. Didn't work. It went really badly. And in the end, they were just like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't really know. And so that, that reality, I don't, I don't really know. Good luck mm -hmm. is part of what's the challenge of all of this. Right. A yeah. lot of what we're doing here at Mosaic is, Ooh, okay, we have this situation now. No idea how to do this. Right. There's no book mm -hmm. on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So collect our brains, yeah. collect our team, talk it through. And, and then you have to have the courage, too, to be able to say, and I know you've said this a couple of times, Carrie Ann, is to say to a family, we promise you we will work diligently to be ready mm -hmm. to be able to have your child experience a, an inclusive space here ongoingly. Mm -hmm. We are not ready now. We've had them for a week or mm -hmm. two. We are not equipped for this. We've got to go put yeah. our thinking caps on and get this done. It'll take us a while. So sorry. Hang in there. Mm -hmm. We'll get with you. You have to have the courage to say what we're not going to do yeah. is, is engage in a story that we are not equipped to engage in and then make a mess of both that story and mm -hmm. the other yep. uh, sure. mm -hmm. people in the mix. And so that, that's a tough space because you, you want you to, want to right. bring it all right. in. Mm -hmm. But you have to also be willing, like you said, to say when that story does emerge, we don't say we can't. We say we can't yet. Yes. So from a facility standpoint, mm -hmm. we, we know that we have uh, some, like that, that room that you talk about yeah. is my favorite room in our kids' mind. Anytime, <laughs> anytime I do a building tour, yeah. like that's like the sanctuary, whatever. But like, <laughs> I just like playing with the rice. Yeah, yeah. The rice is so, so, you know, from a facility standpoint, we do have that space, but our space is limited. What, what are some things that are going to, to be improved uh, by the expansion of the, the facility in, uh, in phase two. Okay, so um, a lot of things. Uh, the fact that we're gonna have a city and the garden is going to be really helpful. We have that now, but the garden isn't quite big enough. We made a makeshift garden out of two small group rooms. So we gave up small group rooms and made a place for our kindergartners. Yeah. My, my wife was a kindergarten small group leader for quite some time before we had our yeah. first baby. And she was so excited to hear that we started the garden. Because <sighs> mm -hmm. it's, it's so much better for, for kindergartners yeah. who haven't even learned yeah. school yet, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. to, be, to be in their own environment. 
Yeah. Right. So in the in our new space to have an actual space yeah. that is created just for that Not makeshift. Nope. For yeah. the kindergartners and then the other space for the elementary will allow us to take care of some of these sensory needs even better than what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And then I would say that what I'm most excited about is, you know, you know where we're located. We're in a parking lot. There is no outdoor space to go and play right. with kids right. or mm -hmm. to get out right. some extra energy. And one of the things that we're working very diligently on right now is making all of our hallways interactive. Cool. Which Disney means, style. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which means that when children come in, they're going to be directed by what's on the floor, yeah. what to do as they walk to their classroom, whether they're to jump or to spin or touch this. And it's been proven That's to cool. help. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. going to start serving in kids' yeah. <laughs> so I can jump and spin and touch. But it's been proven to help children. Well, they have little balls yeah. on the walls with like little spiky things and all sorts of There's cool sensory touch things. There's going to be all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. And you cool. won't have to read. We can make your office at the end of that. <laughs> if Renault ever gets an office, that's what his hallway it's needs gonna to be. It's going to be right next to the yeah. sensory room yeah. with the hallway with all sorts of spinning, jumping, yeah. and fun little toys to play with. But if you can picture that you've got a group of kids, you know, a bunch of second graders walking through the hall, but they're not. They're following directions on the floor and they're moving and they're jumping. And you have children with autism and ADHD and all of these other things going on in them. There's a whole lot of extra energy right, in so fun right. that just got out before you bring them into a small group room to sit down right. and have a deep conversation. Talking about Jesus. <laughs> Talking right? about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I think too, and I mean, you guys can speak to this. And I think Caleb, this is probably becoming more and more of a reality in your space as well. Yeah. But one of the unique challenges of this is that for a child with unique special needs to succeed in a space that is loud and that yeah. is uh, busy yeah. and that is an overload of sense you not only need tools, physical mm -hmm. tools, but you need a physical person. Right. Yep. Like, yes. So, so the, the, the challenge becomes where I could say one adult could engage with five or seven kids. That's no longer a reality, no. especially yeah. when three of those five or seven have unique special needs. Yeah. So now you need uh, four adults for five kids right. because right. one adult yeah. is doing the five collectively mm -hmm. and the other three adults are doing those three individuals. Well, now if you have 125 children yeah. with special needs coming through on a Sunday, which we do, mm -hmm. that's 125 sidekicks mm -hmm. and you haven't done anything in the ministry yet in terms of teaching, right. small yeah. group leaders, right. Right. Uh, safety team. Like That's just our sidekick army. Yes. Yes. And so that is a giant challenge. But do we have 125 people at Mosaic that like could potentially step in and fill that? No, <laughs> no. We Is just our church big enough yeah. to that's fill an this additional in? challenge, yeah. right? I, See, I just, we, we do, but then but then to right, that point, right, as much as you're exactly right, it's an overwhelming thought yeah. as a person who's like we're so familiar with this world now we're like Psh, yeah. yeah. But for a person who's like, always experienced only mm -hmm. the typical spaces typical, yeah. and yeah. you say can you be a sidekick to a child that might 
have an episode because their overloaded sensory spaces are going nuts, and they might run out of the building. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to be fine. Yeah. But like, you're going to be fine. You're a little bit like, I... Is that what the training looks like? Yeah. I'd love to know. Wait. <laughs> so, I'm just Please saying. tell me it's not what Renault so just described. it's not described. nearly You're going to be fine. <laughs> we let you know if you have a runner. Yeah. And yeah. we only... So if, before we terrify people, uh. um, for our sidekicks, we actually give them out based on what they... They are, they are comfortable yeah, with. Comfortable. So I have some of our sidekicks that will come to me and go, give me the hardest kid. And so we know. <laughs> we know who that is. Yeah. And then we know who would prefer to Bless sit you. quietly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and fortunately, it's it's most of them yeah. feel Joel that Testament. way. How do you know? <laughs> it is Joel. Yeah, he's he, he one of them couple, at, the actually. Top, at the top of the list. Yeah. But I do want to share this. On Sunday, I get a text. We need five sidekicks in pre-K one, and I'm like, "Can we even fit five sidekicks in that room?" But there were five children that yeah. either had special needs or were from traumatic backgrounds that they felt like, and and these were not these were not kids that typically were given a sidekick, but now they get added to our list so yeah. that we can help it's them. Ever be. growing, too. it is. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the ways that you you guys are training? Um, new new potential volunteers to, to be sidekicks. What is what is that? What does a sidekick training look like? Well, we do have a training um, that we host here on campus. Sidekick training. It's about two hours long, um, and we go through um, a lot of the tools that we have, a lot of the sensory tools, and why and how you might use it or recognize it. Um, we do partner with some other experts in the area who come in mm-hmm. and do some instruction. Dreamplex. Yeah, Yay. thank you. We love the Dreamplex. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're so nice mm-hmm. and they're so knowledgeable and they yes. are so supportive yeah. of what we're doing. Um, and then also um, we have um, a lot of resources here that we use. So all of our sidekicks do write little notes um, mm-hmm. to each other sometimes being like, hey, this worked out really well. Or like, so that works really well as well too. And we also have some curriculum mm-hmm. um, that is a great option for if the curriculum in the classroom is too much. Um, we do have alternative curriculum for That's that. Good. I'll say Deborah ad- adapts this. Mm-hmm. Yes. She adapts Adapt- our for curriculum. The, for the sidekick and for mm-hmm. the kid. Um, so that is one of the privileges of my role is I get to know each VIP um, and the things that are successful for them and the things so that are not. Who or what is a VIP? A VIP are, are our kids familiar. with um, special needs or kids in our inclusion ministry. And the sidekick mm-hmm. is the volunteer who gets to partner what, with so them. So why, why do we do it that way? That's interesting. Why do we call well, them VIPs and sidekicks? I wanted to, well, because they are very important people. Not that all of our children are not, but rather than saying they need inclusion, we just call them a VIP. Right. It's that. a little bit more positive, and we want to keep it positive that. when we're talking to our kids. And sidekick, um, that term came about many, many years ago um, when working with uh, Bella, mm-hmm. Bella South. And knowing that we had a buddy break program, we wanted to call it something different on Sunday morning. And to us, she was a superhero, and every superhero needs a sidekick. Yeah. And so that's that's go. why they're sidekicks. Yeah. yeah. And we probably will forever if we're allowed. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. um, but, yeah, I, I am just privileged to get to be here every weekend to see these VIPs like come in and know what they like and know what they don't and to create 
curriculum for them to help them be successful. And then I meet up with all my sidekicks beforehand. Um, and a lot of them are regulars, and I know a lot of them are watching. So hi, guys. You're great. Um, and you I sort of let awesome. them know. I let them know. Being like, hey, like we've got this kid coming today. This is what I. Yep. This is what we made for them. This is what we have in the room. Um, last week, this rocker chair worked out great. So here you go. So um, because it's hard to have an umbrella training to accommodate every right, kind of right, inclusion, yeah. right. it really does build. And all of a sudden, you've been volunteering for two months or three months, and you feel like you really yeah. have everything you need. And it's it's the kind of thing where it's just like, it's just like anything when you walk with faith, you know, yeah. like you walk in the dark mm-hmm. and um, just the, the footsteps in front of you are lit. And the footsteps in front of you are lit. And then all of a sudden you look back and then you've you've moved miles. Yeah. And I know that was Carrie Ann's story with, you know, learning about special needs and inclusion ministry. Mm -hmm. That was my story with learning about special needs and inclusion. Um, And it's scary uh, because new things are always scary, but it's so fruitful and it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And the kids that we get the privilege of walking alongside and learning from um, are just some of the best people that I know. It's really, really cool. It's good stories. So if you're if you're afraid or if you're nervous, just come on by. I promise. I'm really nice. I'll set you up for success. Um, and and you know, but I think that does speak to the reality of one of the major challenges is resourcing mm-hmm. and in yeah. time and relationship and communication. And so I think a part of the answer to that has been saying let's focus on people yeah. who are passionate about this, mm-hmm. like you, Deb, mm-hmm. and and letting them be the resource to the sidekicks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. And I also want to add because this was brilliant, um, and I loved that our I think seven of our sidekicks um, jumped on this. But when TBRI, which is Trust Based Relational Intervention, was offered as an equipping class. It was offered uh, for people to understand how to work better with children from trauma. We offered it out to our sidekicks and seven of them took it, us up on it and all attended with Deborah in this that's last cool. semester. Wow. So that means that's seven more people who are better equipped to right. work with children from foster care and adoption. Yeah. And, I, and I do think that, um, you know, there is a fair amount of resources available now more than ever before oh, yeah. right. um, that we can and do connect mm-hmm. our sidekicks to, um, which helps get them feeling more prepared yeah. and ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the internal and the external yeah. uh, that's available. Um, I, I do think that in that process with the sidekicks, and that's why we value our sidekicks so yeah. deeply as well, is because they are, again, as we've been saying, what makes this most challenging is that there is no, <clears throat> there is no blanket here mm-hmm. that's just one, learn right. this and you're good, because right. each unique story uh, has unique Absolutely. special needs. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, that teaches us that that's true for all of our kids oh, yeah. in many yeah. ways. Yeah. But we know that in this space, it's a little different. But with our sidekicks, the other thing that we've discovered and that I, that I know happens here a lot is with children with um, uh, certain developmental special needs, the consistency of a different, a, a same face or different yeah, yes. face is a really big deal. It's a trigger. Yes. So now you're also not just asking a sidekick to say, um, hey, once a month, show up on your... It's like, yeah. this is your, this is your child, mm-hmm. your superhero, and you are their sidekick. And part of what it means to be a sidekick is that when your superhero rolls, you roll. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. right. like right. you know, Batman yeah. doesn't roll out. And Robin decides if he wants to come. Like, is oh, Robin a sidekick? I don't know. I don't yeah. think Robin Robin's likes being a sidekick. I think yes. so. I Absolutely. Feel like Robin a is a sidekick. He's like the sidekick. The sidekick. Yeah. Although I don't think he likes that. But right. hey, but our sidekicks <laughs> love being sidekicks because they love watching their superheroes succeed. So the point right. is, when your sh- superhero shows up, 
you got to be there. Yeah. And so th these are all some calling. of the unique challenges yeah. that yeah. come with the consistency that we need in this. But again, here's what then happens. You become a sidekick. You connect with a child, not children, mm -hmm. and you become that child's sidekick. Yeah. And within three or four or five months, you don't say, gosh, these last five months were a waste of time. Like, yeah. oh, man, that, it, that consistency was just super hard. Like, man, I wish I hadn't. W like, it's yeah. like my life has changed forever. And so yeah. the benefit that the sidekick gets mm -hmm. from this kind of deep engagement yeah. is not only the benefit of getting to know this child and pouring themselves into this child and being poured into, but also the knowledge. Again, we're coming back to that out in the public knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lingo that starts going on with mm -hmm. our sidekicks, I love listening because yeah. they all get the right lingo now. Like yeah. it's like second nature. <laughs> we, we know what this is, we know what that is. Yeah. And you're just like, man, six months ago, you knew nothing. Right. Well, yeah. and they start being resources for each other. That's right. Yes. Totally. You know, being yeah. like, it's oh network, man, I just couldn't right. get so-and-so to yeah. stop running around. I'm like, oh, well, he might need a movement stem. Did you try this? Did you try this? And they start mm. being each other's resources. Right. They don't feel like they're yeah. on an island anymore. Yeah. They're doing it together. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And also it's the connection <laughs> of our really consistent sidekicks with the parents. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because sometimes Deborah will have the schedule of all of the sidekicks and then they're scheduled at 11, but they showed up at nine and I'm like, why are you here? And the oh, the parents contacted me and right. let me know. So I just switched. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, they didn't even tell us anymore. Because it's about yeah. relationship, wow. not yeah. just going to a service. And we have right. several of them now right. who have That's done incredible. that. Incredible. And, and this also speaks to the fact that we're talking a lot about the children, which mm -hmm. is obviously our focal point. But the impact this has on the whole family then yeah. is extraordinary as well right. because what it does is a couple of things that I found, and I know you guys have found this too, is one, the parents are now in a gathering the entire yes. time, right. yes. which means they're gaining spiritual right. input, yeah. totally. which means when they go home, they, they are better equipped yeah. Yeah. to be able to engage with their children yeah. because let's face it, when you have children with special needs or children from uh, traumatic backgrounds, the weight on the parents and family is yeah. massive. Mm -hmm. And we haven't even spoken to that because it's not the space mm -hmm. for it. But those parents then have a space. The siblings that are the siblings mm -hmm. are consistently in church now instead of we go to church once every nine months yeah. because my sibling can't go. Yeah. Right, right. But they also are in church experiencing their own version of space from that world. Mm -hmm. And for a family to feel normal, mm -hmm. despite the fact that one of their children yeah. has special needs, is exceptionally a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And what sure. we want to be is a place where when you've been here as a family, that you go, here, we mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. typical. Yeah. We yeah. feel typical. Yeah. If I can just share real quick. We had a family show up for the first time, and mom came by herself, no dad, and uh, dad comes now, but he shows up with four children, and one is a baby, one is a little guy who's four and has Down syndrome, and he's on a leash. And it was when Stacy was still here with us. <laughs> Stacy um, got down on her knees and starts chatting with this little guy who's literally rolling around the floor. And mom's trying to fill out the I'm here for the first time card. She stops, takes off the leash, goes to Stacy, and puts it on her, and then continues writing. Like, that's what our sidekicks right. yep. do. Yep. It hadn't even met yet. Yep. But handed handed him yeah. over. It was handed great. Show. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, we've got just a few more minutes. I want to kind of hit just a couple of things uh, if we if we can. So the first thing I want to hit is a question that I think um, you can speak to specifically, um, and then I want to talk about kind of where is this uh, where are we where is this rooted in scripture? Renault started about taking 
care of orphans in, in the book of James. And I'd love uh, to share um, what the, the story from the book of Mark. Um, so first, quick question. Uh, it's actually not that quick. Um, it's a really uh, tough question. So, um, so this is Cody, C3 Church. Um, she says, I'm curious of the thoughts on what the call looks like to the church to participate in special needs ministry for Mosaic. Our church has sev- several special needs trained teachers mm-hmm. who work Monday through Friday in the school system but want a break on Sundays, mm-hmm. which is very understandable, yeah. right? Um, that's a hard space for me as a mom of special needs kids who leads every Sunday in our special needs ministry. So she gets mm-hmm. no break. Welcome mm-hmm. to church planting, right? And yeah. so that's tough, Cody. I know that's tough. Um, so uh, so she says, um, my heart aches because I need help, but I want leaders and volunteers who desire to love on our little guys. Mm-hmm. I have literally six adults who are trained, educated, and work in special needs who attend our church but have zero desire to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of I- I'd love to hear your thoughts on, like, how would you maybe uh, counsel Cody in that, maybe if you want to jump and, in as well. Yeah, I would think biblically we'll throw it to Renault, but I would say this, and this came to me over the past uh, several weeks. Renault and I hear it often in lots of meetings, you know, we're working to make the gospel beautiful. And in my head, it gets translated to make the gospel accessible. Um, because I think too often we, it becomes too difficult for a family to walk in the doors of a church. I've heard it over and over and over again, where people have shared, it's been four years because they had a difficult situation in a church. So families don't come in. So For me and for Mosaic, I know that God is calling us to a place where we need to make church accessible as much as we can for all families um, to be able to participate in the church. So that's the call to the to the church um, yes. as a whole. So not just these six trained people. Right. But, I think it's everyone. Well, as I shared, and you know, an interesting thing because I talk to other churches all the time who like we'd love to do something for special needs. We'd love to have a special needs ministry, and I have to say, hold on, we don't have a special needs ministry. Mm-hmm. We were called to make church accessible to right. these kids. Yeah. I had no training. The funny thing that happened though was once we opened that door. I am surrounded by people who know way more than I do, and they come out of the woodwork. Occupational therapists and physical therapists and people who know how to really work with these children and help us to minister to them. Mm -hmm. So I would say to Cody, like that breaks my heart because you you know that you have these people, Um, but I bet you have some other people who would love to love on these kids and 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 what I would say too, Cody, just on a very practical level, is um, these uh, you know five or six people that you have that are trained. Mm-hmm. I understand why they right. may want to break, and as a mom, you understand why they would want to yeah. break as well. Maybe instead of asking them to serve in that way on Sundays, maybe uh, enlist them in helping train yeah. others to serve on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be a practical yeah. way that they can still step in and use the right. gifts and talents and knowledge that they have for mm-hmm. the kingdom but not necessarily where it's now six or seven days yeah. a week. Mm-hmm. And, and um, to, your point, like to your point, um, we occasionally bring um, Amy Gomes from the Dreamplex. We'll ask her, yeah. hey, can you come in and kind of assess our ministry? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't come and serve on Sunday, but she is such a huge support to us because she's running a ministry for right. families with special needs. But she'll come in and stand in our city, the elementary environment, 
and experience what's going on and then come back to me and say, well, if you do this with the lights and if you do this over here and if you added this in the back, you'll be great. Mm. Mm-hmm. So maybe engaging them in some of those, those ways. Ty- right. yes. Yeah, that's and I, super I do helpful. think you're right. To, there are some people that you would have never guessed wanted mm-hmm. to be a sidekick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're sometimes the best sidekicks because yeah. they just have a desire to help yeah. and they're willing to learn and they're teachable. And mm-hmm. there is that gap between I have a desire to do something but I feel so un- unequipped or Inadequate. untrained. Yep. And, you know, Cody, y- you as a mom and and uh, yeah. and this team of people that you could assemble yeah. may be able to close that gap. And now it's not those five people, but your whole church that is now seeing yeah. the, the call um, mm-hmm. to care for these children. So you have anything to add or no? Yeah, just, you know, just um, probably just one thing. I mean, I agree with all of this 100 percent. And I would say this, the challenge of church planting and small church yeah. is that. All of your people want to be in the gathering, and mm-hmm. there's only one gathering. So, right. yeah. so let's just start there. That's right. a challenge. Pick the topic, special needs, children's ministry in yeah. general, student ministry, anything. Mm-hmm. You, you're stuck with that challenge. I'm coming to church. I, I, I need church. If I'm in kids' ministry or whatever, then I miss church. Right. When you have a larger church like ours, you get to the point where you have multiple gatherings, right. and so you can solve that problem other ways. So that's a challenge. So now you have to create a space where you say, well, we don't want you to miss gatherings regularly, but special needs children typically need consistency. So we can't totally do that. So one, you'll have to compromise a bit. You'll have to say things like, well, we can't do the consistency part fully yet. Yeah, you may not be able to do everything you want to do day right. one. Right. So you that's the first start with one kid. The first thing is you've you got to start with, we, we, we can't do it all as well as other places might that have been doing it for a long time or have other luxuries we don't. That's the first thing. The second thing is when you're in a small church setting, you have to pick your unredeemed spaces that you're going to go after. You can't do seven of them. You've got to pick right. one. Yeah. So, Cody, for example, in your space, uh, because you as a family uh, have a child with special needs, and therefore you're connected with some families that might come yeah. to your church that do, this yeah. has to become one of the issues, right? right. Mm-hmm. Just like adoption okay. became one of the issues here because we, my, as lead pastor, I engaged in it, right? right. So here's, here's the thing then. Since that's going to be one of the issues, then it has to be preached from the stage. Then there has to be a weekend where you get in front of the whole church and uh, you get Tony to say, we're going to do a weekend, an entire sermon on the need uh, for emerging gen special needs specifically, and invite the whole church into that gospel beauty. Then you start doing things like use these six people for training, but ask those six people... Would each of you once every six weeks be willing to be in? And if all six of you do it, then you're only doing it once every six weeks, but you're, you're in there training, not in there leading. You start having those conversations. And then here's the last piece. When you have a small church plant, you have to have these conversations with your people. Part of being part of a church like this means that what you don't necessarily want to do, sometimes you have to. Uh, we don't have the luxury to say, no, eh, we, don't, we don't need you. So again, not at the point that you say, we need all six of you to be our sidekicks. No, we need you to help us train all that. But again, you have to preach that from the stage first. Make the gospel beautiful from there. It is one of the grand challenges of small church plant space. So your challenge isn't just a special needs challenge there. It's a typical small church uh, challenge. For sure. So So, um, hopefully that's helpful, Cody. Um, But, you know, to wrap this conversation up, I think it'd be uh, fun to kind of anchor this um, back into where do we find this in Scripture? Uh, you know, you mentioned our, our call to orphans um, comes from the Absolutely. book of James, and we mm-hmm. James and we stepped into that, and that has now um, you know resulted in our call to recognize that there are kids with special <coughs> needs and kids from traumatic backgrounds that need our engagement to include them and to care for them well. 
And so this is a, a, a great portion of scripture. I'll just read it and carry on if you want to just share where we've kind of gained inspiration from this story uh, in scripture. It's in uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 3 uh, and 4. It says, they gathered the, uh, uh, here to see Jesus. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So standing room only. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I'd love to hear your thoughts there are so many things to, for me in that scripture yeah. uh, in so many different directions that I could go in. But I would say, you know, in, in that story, we hear that it's the crowd that was the barrier for, mm -hmm. for these people who mm -hmm. loved this young man to get mm -hmm. him before Jesus. <clears throat> and it made us start looking at what are the barriers to families yeah. coming mm -hmm. into our church? Yeah. Are we creating an environment where they've got to go up on a roof and dig a hole to, to lower their children to the feet of Jesus? Or are we creating a space that is an open door and an open conversation so that they can honestly come and tell us up front, this is what my child is dealing with. How, how can he participate in your ministry? And, you know, the story goes on to say how Jesus recognized their, their faith mm -hmm. and praised them mm -hmm. for, for their faith. We've got parents who are doing everything they can to lead their children to Jesus. And just because they have a special need doesn't mean that they don't understand. And we've seen that over and over and mm -hmm. over again, that they can love and follow Jesus if they have autism and Down syndrome and all those different things. So we want to create a space for them to be able to do that. I love this verse, but most of the miracles that Jesus did included people with special needs mm -hmm. who, who needed. Yeah. He, he loved them. And in the end, what did he do? Um, he mentions that his sins are forgiven. Yeah. And isn't that the story that we want for our kids? That's the whole point. Yeah. Right? yeah we want them to encounter Jesus. And I think, yeah. you know, um, I agree with Carrie Ann wholeheartedly in this, that what Jesus did while he was on this planet in the flesh when he walked around is he went in each town to the place, places and people yeah. that the society didn't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, if you want to categorize it, right. he, the lepers, the prostitutes, the woman at the well, the, you, you yeah. pick a story, he's always ending up in a place that the rest of society yeah. had no idea what to do with. Yeah, and he brings society into that space and brings that space back into society. He connects bridges and heals. And we want to be a place that walks like Jesus into the spaces where the rest of society doesn't know what to do with. And the parents and families of those children don't know how to access society. Yeah. And we want to say, here in this church, Jesus bridges that gap. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, when I hear that story in Mark, I think of it this way. And it's similar to what you just, but I just think to myself, well, we can't get rid of the crowd. Mm -hmm. The church got big. Oh, well. Yeah. Right. So now we, we, the church, have to dig the hole in the roof. Right. Instead of asking the parents to try to figure it out. Exactly. So we go, there is a crowd. So sorry about that. We mm -hmm. recognize that. But we have a hole in the roof called a sidekick 
that will get your kid through the crowd Amen. to the feet of Jesus. Yeah. What's funny is we're actually going to make literal holes in our roof. <laughs> yeah. We're going to put air conditioning units <laughs> Which, there. Yeah, and I And we're going to build out phase yeah. two yeah. and make enough space that our kids can be there. And, and yep. I'm sorry, though, we're not lowering anybody down. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but but that would be a slide. You want to talk about getting some energy out. Kids, get up on the roof. Safety ministry. Can we have a playground go out through the roof onto the roof? I like it. We did kick that idea around at one point. I almost lost my job. Why wasn't I inside that meeting? Because I would have made that happen. The stamp of approval on that. Uh, well, guys, I hope that this has been uh, as enjoyable for you all as it has been for us. Yeah. Um, guys, thank you so much for uh, the time and energy and effort and commitment that you place uh, here at Mosaic in, in making this church a place where the crowds aren't a barrier, um, but where children can be loved and cared for and meet Jesus. Um, man, that's awesome. And that those families uh, with children from um, traumatic backgrounds and children with special mm-hmm. needs, medical and Uh, developmental and all the other things that we Mm -hmm. see at this church that they can have a space to come and hear Ephesians preached or whatever it may be uh, to worship Jesus to be filled up so that they can go out and pour out um, for the rest of the week and so it's just an awesome thing that we get to do this uh, this thing together I mean it really does take all of us Um, we all have different gifts um, but we get to use them um, in different ways to glorify God and so and this too I think speaks to uh, at the end of the day probably the largest challenge that any church faces in engaging in a space like this is finding the right people to be passionate about it. And as you can tell on this set of couches, um, I get to sit in spaces like this briefly dealing with all of this, and I don't deal with it on a week-to-week basis because these incredible people are in the front lines of that. And so I think uh, when you have a group of people and you take these things seriously and you choose to put resources and staffing toward it, like Deb jumping in and literally this right. is her focal point, right. then this becomes doable with one child and then five children and then right. 20 children and then 125 children. And, um, and, and so I sit here in as much awe, I think, as many of you do listening to this team of people in what they do every weekend, of which I know little and I'm not an expert uh, and am thrilled that my children come to this place and that they are the recipients of this team and the teams that they lead so that my children are the best they can be and that our family becomes the best it can be. So Brooke and I are recipients of this, uh, not effectors of this. We are recipients of this, and it's a joy to be a part of a team like this and partner in the gospel with you guys. So thank you for what you guys do. You guys are amazing. All right, guys, yeah. we will see you very, very soon on another episode of Lunch Hour. Great to be with you guys.